Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of What in the Wellness, a global perspective on integrative health. I'm Ansley Knopf, your host, and I'm super excited to introduce a new friend to you guys. Her name is Sophia Hyde. She's a certified life coach, and she is here to talk to us today about some really cool stuff. Her story, uh, a new course she has coming out, her philosophy on life coaching, and how to help you have a better life um, and how your guilt often holds you back from your potential. And we'll be talking about all of those things with her today. Super excited to have her. She was introduced by someone else you already know and have met, um, Dr. Chelsea Durda, who's been on the podcast as well. She introduced us and um, we hit it off and I was like, you got to have a conversation on the podcast because everyone needs to hear your story and what you do because it's just super awesome. So um, Sophia is a certified life coach. She started moving into life coaching after working 80 hours of actually over 80 hours a week, it looks like, um, burning the candle at both ends and making no time for self-care or her relationships, which she felt were super important to her. So um, she's going to start and tell us her story, but she uh, moved into life coaching after taking some time at home and having a one week sabbatical. Really, I mean, I'll let her go into the details of that, but that was the start of her new journey into life coaching and now she's doing really great things. So um, because I wanna hear her story in her own words, Sophia is going to take it from here and tell us all about herself. Um, we have a little bit of technical difficulties if you're watching the video. Um, if you hear this like laughter and pause, it's cause the camera just decided to be like, whoo, and like in a deep dive um, all by itself. So we're adjusting that. But yeah, if you're watching on the camera. Yeah, I moved my leg. On the audio, you had no idea. But if you're watching the video, like what? Just watch the video. The the whole the yeah. It doesn't matter what happened, but everything came crashing down and it's back. So, um, sorry that robbed my attention for a hot minute. What was the 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 question that you launched off with? So actually, it was just, hey, Sophia, thanks for being here. Let you jump in and tell us your story, like how you became a life coach and you were working eight hours a week and you went on a sabbatical for a week and voluntary isolation at home in silence. And that's what was the start of your journey. And I was like, Whoa, I got to hear all about this from you. So away. And then like, literally, as I was talking about your life and working hours a week, the camera was like diving. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of, you know what though? It was a visual aid because that's exactly what it felt like. Um, I'm sure many people on this, um, podcast can resonate with the fact at some point in their lives, if you talk to most people, they have attempted hustle culture. Um, They have attempted to give more than they're capable of giving, burn the candle at both ends, overcommit. And for me, that was in my 20s. I worked a full-time job while launching a business with my husband. Um, I mean, at at the peak of it, um, it got to the point where I tried to do like the ideal week. If you've ever heard of Michael Hyatt's ideal week. And so I mapped out my ideal week and I felt guilty for the 30 minutes in the morning I needed to get dressed because I couldn't figure out how to make that productive alongside everything else. Right. And so I had 
bought into this lie that I had to be productive all of the time. Um, and <clears throat> um, eventually your body will crash. And so mine did. Um, as I um, had this revelation, I was, I was sitting in church, can't even tell you what the pastor was talking about. Um, and I felt like, and this is really where my coaching stems from, is that in that moment, I experienced this like woman, it felt like there was a woman inside of me longing to be birthed. And she was so foreign. And all of a sudden I had this like divine moment. I could, I was grabbing sheets of paper wherever I could find them. I had a little golf pencil I found and I was just writing down all the things this woman was and I had nothing in common with her. Like, um, but she felt, felt like finally acknowledged that I had a true self and that I was living a completely different life. And I was just like, you know, she, I just remember one thing was that I was like, she meditates every day and she's, you know, she's calm and her, this is what her priorities look like. And this is how she spends her time. And, and every, when I wrote out this, it was just this, it just started pouring out of me. Like you've ever had those inspired moments where it just flows. I, I was like in the flow and I was just like, it was just pouring. And then I looked at my current life and they had nothing in common. And I was just like, I've got to do something about this. And I felt inspired in that moment. I was just, it felt like a divine intervention. And it was just like, I went to my husband who God bless him. He is the most supportive man on the planet. And I went to him and I said, um, so like next week, I'm going to need you to go find somewhere else to stay because I need the entire house to myself. Can you take the cats with you too? Because I need a whole week in complete silence at home. And the reason that's relevant, some people will go away to like, maybe like a mountain house or a hotel or something. But for me, I was always on the go. I was never home. And what my body was craving, what my soul was craving was to get recentered, to like align with my foundation. I was so troubled by the juxtaposition of like, who I wanted to be and who I actually was. And I had to create space to birth this woman. What I didn't know, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend the next week rearranging all my commitments. And then the next week um, in silence. And I was like, I just invented my own silent retreat. Well, what happened was by Thursday of that week, my body fully crashed. And so I couldn't get out of bed. I, I mean, it just, it was just a full crash. Like I couldn't move. It was just, I was in bed totally sick, not like to the level you have to go to the hospital, but just like, imagine you're like your worst cold or flu or whatever, and you just can't move. So anyways, I spent three days in bed. And then when I came out of it, I um, spent a lot of time reflecting and asking hard questions. And then I, it wasn't totally silent because I tried so hard to meditate. Cause I was like, I, this is like the week I'm going to learn meditation as if meditation can be learned in a week. I passed a minute. And so I found, um, I reached out to a retired college professor who used to talk about his meditation, like all the time. Like it was just part of his conversation. Like it was just such a normal thing that doesn't everybody meditate 30 minutes a day. Um, and so I knew he had retired. I reached out to him. He made space for me and I spent a whole day with him, um, learning some love, like, Oh God, I just still look back to that day as just such a gift. Um, and he helped me wrestle with a lot of things I was struggling with and gave me wonderful advice that was my launch pad to uh, meditation. And just like a quick 
because I know a lot of people do either do meditate or will say to me that they can't meditate or that they tried it and they can't. And so I just want to speak really quick to those people because I was once that person who couldn't make it a minute without my thoughts. I remember in that, in that, in the back porch, um, and sitting on it. So they'd be like soft and it was beautiful weather. And so I'd like sat on the back porch with a pillow. And I like did the arm, you know, cross the legs and put the arms and, and I'm like, okay, something's supposed to happen. I like closed my eyes and, and just the thoughts were everywhere and scattered. And I was like, I am doing this so wrong. Like, I'm just, I don't, I had no, I even bought, I for real bought from Barnes and Noble, the yellow book with the black writing. And if you're a millennial, you know exactly what I'm talking about or older, the Gen Z's may not know this one, but I bought the yellow book with the black writing. That was meditation for dummies me. And it just, um, but anyways, I say all that to say, fast forward a few years, maybe, I don't know, two, three years after that, I um, had got help. I, so I got help from him. And then I started taking classes, like going to yoga classes. And then I got so lucky that one of the yoga teachers actually taught meditation retreats. And then I went to some of her advanced classes and, you know, I didn't try to figure it out by myself. So that's the first thing, like, you're not going to figure this out, like sitting alone in your bedroom. Um, there are tools that can help you. And so anyways, I got help and I eventually got to the point where I could meditate for an entire hour. I mean, I, I really, it's endless. I can just sit down and go into that space space and go deep. The problem is I don't have an hour. I have two small children now. Um, so like carving out, if, if I have an hour to myself, I can spend some of it in meditation, but then there's also just stuff that has to get done. This is life right now. Right. So anyways, um, that week was a catalyst. And what I learned about myself, I did, um, a great reflection that actually that professor taught me to identify what your purpose is. And, um, that is going to be one of the bonus, um, modules in my, in my, um, digital course that that's happening right now. Um, and that exercise taught me that my greatest purpose for me, everybody's is, you know, different, but for me, it was to help people grow. And I, in trying to birth this future woman, I knew that I was supposed to spend my life coaching writer. I'm a blogger. I'm a coach. I'm a seeker, like all this stuff's inside of me. And what I'm doing is has nothing to do with that at all. I was in the magazine industry and, and birthing a photography video production company with my husband. And yet I had this teacher inside of me who wanted to come out, but here was the problem. I knew that I wanted to teach all these life concepts and my life was a hot mess. So I was like, I can't go be a coach right now because you can't teach what you don't know. And I have, my life is like, I'm very open on my messy life, like on my Insta stories. But at that point, my life was like actually messy, like drowning in a hundred thousand dollars of debt. No, like totally struggling with the ability to manage money. Um, could letter dirt, like, you know, the, oh, it was just, um, so so many things. We were just really bad at adulting, really, really bad. We ended up losing the condo, um, had to move in with my parents. Like, oh, this whole, like my, all of that happened in 2011. From 2011 to 2017, the best word to describe my life is just like unstable. It was just, it was messy. Um, and, but over time, 
when you fail enough times, you do it wrong. I, I knew what I was striving for. I knew where I was going. And along the way was developing tools that gave me the breakthrough I needed here and the breakthrough I needed there. And um, by 2017, we were like really stable. And that felt great. I mean, stable spiritually, financially, um, all the areas. Our daughter was like three years old at that point. Um, and then I got pregnant with my second son and my second child, my son. And um, by the uh, end of 2018, we were finally like all the things we were striving for. We had gotten out of debt. We had a great income. We knew how to, to manage the money, but also spiritually, I had finished my faith transition because if you have ever gone through a spiritual faith transition, all that is like heavy. Um, so I was on the other side of my faith transition and, um, I was, um, all of the things like my health, my health was a disaster before. And I felt like my body was felt amazing. And so all these things were in such a stable place. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to teach. And so I went and sought, um, uh, I was looking for a certification program and it took me 10 months because I am not interested in paying somebody to just be able to put some title after my name, certified life coach. Like a lot of these programs out there, I did, I just felt like they were fluff. They were pay us X amount of dollars to be able to get the thing. And the content, when I looked into the content and what I was going to be learning, it felt like fluff. And what I wanted was I knew that I had all these personal experiences, but I wanted to pay someone to teach me the most powerful framework to help other people. It was in my client's best and no different than why, like if you're a licensed mental health counselor, you go get a degree to learn the things to be able to help people the most, same exact thing. But I wanted education that was going to most benefit my, my future clients. And it took me 10 months and I finally found, um, I say I found, I was actually part of the first graduating class. Um, the Ziegler organization launched this program called choose to win. Um, and it perfectly aligned with everything that I learned in a program. Um, they took the 40 years of experience they had as an organization. If you've never heard of Zig Ziglar, he's like one of the grandfathers of personal growth and development. They're, they have like 5,000, uh, 5 million, um, followers on Facebook. They're, they're very four decades of teaching life change and life transformation. And so the son, Tom Ziegler, wrote a book called Choose to Win based on looking at the four decades of people that they had <clears throat> helped and taught and looking for those common denominators of, because we all know that you can pay a whole bunch of money for a course or a workshop or a program. Um, and then when people finish that program, one portion of them will have transformed their lives. They will have implemented that material. And six months later, one year later, five years later, like they are living a completely different life. And then other people are exactly where they were and nothing has changed. And who wants to be that teacher? Who's just like, am I even making a difference? What's the point? I didn't want to just take your money. I wanted to change your life. Um, and so Tom analyzed what was the difference between the people who changed their lives and the people who stayed right where they were. And it came down to two major principles that are the same exact principles that I used in my life transformation. And one of them 
um, is the wheel of life, which is what I teach. It's on my website. You can find it, but it looks at the seven areas of your life, which off the top of my head, it's um, mental, physical, spiritual, financial, family, career, and self-care. And those are like the seven principles and are working intentionally in each of those areas, you, you will have growth. But if you neglect any one of those, any single one of those, it will all fall apart. And so it's a wheel. And therefore we talk about if one of those areas is struggling, it's a flat tire, you're not going anywhere. And so it, if you want a successful career, you can't get there. Like so many people are going to teach success as if it's all just finances and career. But the reality is you're not going to get there if you don't have self-care and your family's out of whack because nothing will destroy a business like a divorce. Like we have seen this. Um, and so you've got, um, or, or maybe you did thrive, but at the end of the day, you lost all your relationships in the process. Like, well, was that even worth it? And so you have, all these spokes, what maintaining your health, your, you know, for me, it was acknowledging I had, um, when I discovered the wheel of life in the middle, it was 2016. It was in the middle of all that growth I was going through. And the aha moment for me was I knew I was going through a faith transition. Um, what I had been raised with was no longer working for me. And there were parts that I knew in my heart, like still, were right, but there was so much I needed to let go of. And I knew that that was going on, um, but I kept pushing it away. Like it didn't really matter. Like I was ignoring it. Um, and for me, I had to acknowledge when I did the wheel of life and I saw that my self-care and my, my spiritual and my financial, those were the three things I could just like not get a hold of that they were what was holding back everything else. That was finally when I was like, okay, I have got to work through this. Otherwise nothing else is ever going to be able to thrive. And so I um, worked through a lot of those things using the wheel of life framework. Um, and then um, the second principle is habits. So Tom also found that the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. If you can get all the knowledge and education in the world, but if you don't change your habits, nothing else is going to change. And I love, um, I think it's John Maxwell has the quote that like, um, you won't change your life until you change something you do daily, mm -hmm. something along those lines. Um, and, and that's really this same philosophy is, um, so essentially you're looking at the wheel of life and then you're looking at the habits within each of the spokes. And obviously my teaching goes way deeper than that. Um, but at the surface level, those are, that is the difference between the people who change their lives and the people that don't, are they looking out for every single spoke and are they focused on their habits? And if not, this wheel isn't going to turn. And so I loved that I had found a program that I could get trained in. Um, but that was also in literally perfect alignment with what I actually did in my life. And my friends who knew me before and after and have actually gone through the course themselves, um, they laugh because they're like, Sophia, you could have written this book. Like literally this guy, it says like Tom Ziegler on here, but I feel like this is what you've been preaching to us for five years. And I'm like, I know. Right. And so anyways, that's why I, um, started teaching that material, what I found, and this is where, you know, in my intro, you mentioned the guilt. What I found when I started taking on clients and teaching the material and trying to work through this, 
Tom can look at four decades of experience, but the reality is he's not a woman and he can't know what he doesn't know. And what I have found Sing Link because I predominantly work with women is that guilt is oftentimes at the center of what is holding us back. Mm. And the reason I say that is I know in my own personal experience, it was the end of 2014. My daughter was a maybe, I don't know, six, eight, nine months old, something like that. And my, I didn't know at the time that it was guilt, but what I knew was my body stopped working. I, first of all, I was high levels of stress. It wasn't even pleasant to be around. I just thought it was the whole like new mom stress factor, but I was miserable. I was miserable. And I was trying so hard in my career. And I was trying, I had, at the time I was actually a health coach, which is a other conversation that we may or may not get into, but I did spend four years as a health coach. And at the time I was a health coach and um, I was, working so hard in my business while trying to stay home with my daughter at the same time. And anybody who's ever worked and been a state, like stayed home with their children knows that that's like a recipe for disaster. Um, and so I, that I always thought like that was the stress factor and my body stopped working. It was actually my hips. I literally like got to the point I couldn't even exercise. I just stopped exercising because it was in pain and I was like, I need help, but I didn't know where to go. And think the Lord, that somebody sent me to the most random place. It was a Japanese acupressure specialist. Um, and he did this work on me and um, was able, and then because I meditate, like while he was working on me, I went into a deep meditation. And then I realized that what, what my body was holding onto was massive amounts of guilt. And then he showed me like the energy flows of the body. And then when he looked at the, the two energy centers where all my pain was, were actually the centers of joy. And, um, my pain was gone in one session, by the way, like he worked on me for one session and my pain was, gone. he gave me some like tricks to use if I ever needed to, but when he told me that those were the energy centers for joy, I was working on me that my body was hanging on to massive amounts of guilt. And so while he was working on me, I was like releasing the guilt. And I realized what many women do, which is like this whole work-life balance thing. It's like, I felt guilty when I was working that I wasn't with my child. When I was with my child, I felt guilty I wasn't working. When I was doing any of those, I felt guilty that I wasn't giving my husband any time or attention. When I was on a date with my husband, I felt guilty about all the work that wasn't getting done because I just had to take a few hours of personal life. And it was this constant never ending struggle and the hip pain had begun in pregnancy. And they told me, Oh, it's just the birth canal, you know, the pain. And then after she arrived, like, well, you just birthed the baby. Of course your hip hurts. They got to get pushed back together. And actually, when I look back, I realized it was the beginning of the stress. How am I going to do all this? How am I going to manage this? How, how is like, it was that like the guilty of the, the, the guilt started piling up. Um, so anyways, I then went on, it took several years to work through guilt, man, because you carry stories that people put on you. Like I was told the story of good mom, stay home. I was told the story of you don't quote, you don't pay people to raise your kids for you. Meaning like a lot of shame around daycare, which is crazy. It's 2000. It's like, that was like 2014 at the time. Like, 
come on now, like daycare is centered into our world, but yet I still had that dialogue in my head. Um, and so I had to work through all these stories and I have this one blog post. It was just one day. This is why I changed all of my teaching, by the way, I blog every week. Usually, you know how that works. Like a few people might like it. Maybe I would get like six or seven shares and I'd be like, oh, wow, like six or seven shares. Well, one day I wrote this post, which maybe you can link to it in the podcast notes or something, but Absolutely. I wrote this post um, called Don't Shit On Me. And it was centered around this conversation I had with this like angel who I met one time, um, never have seen again in my life at a dinner, like a girlfriend dinner. And um, she, I just said, oh, I don't want anything on the menu. What am I going to do? And she was like, oh, you struggle with guilt. And I was like, huh? She goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing the guilt game. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't want anything on this menu. So I'm not ordering and it doesn't bother me guilt. And I was like, well, I tell me more. And, and she's like, um, in the world, there's guilt throwers and guilt catchers. And so people who are guilt throwers are just telling us all the time what we should be doing. And then if you receive that, you're a guilt catcher and you're just catching all these shoulds that are put on you. And I just stopped participating. And I was like, what? You can do that? <laughs> I can go to a restaurant with 12 women and like not order something, but at the, but why this was so revolutionary for me is because I was like, you should, like the server's getting paid, you're taking up space, like all this should dialogue, but they didn't have, basically I was eating really healthy and they had not one healthy option on the menu for me. Like, come on, just serve me some vegetables. Like I could, I'm like, why it should not be this hard to find something that I want? Um, and so I ended up just ordering hot tea because I was just not in a space to not to have her bravery in front of me. Like I was not quite where she was. Um, and it changed my life from that day forward. And she gave me the best dialogue. She said, um, oh yeah, yeah. If anybody starts shitting on me and they're like trying to throw guilt on me, all I say back to them is, are you trying to make me feel guilty? And I borrowed that from her. And when people start shitting on me, like I've only had to use it twice because honestly, I just don't like tolerate it anymore. Right. I just, I'm just like, I'll shut it down. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. No, that's not. If they won't stop, like, oh my gosh, I will, I will say, are you trying to make me feel guilty? And it, I'm telling you, it ends it. I'm like, this is crazy. So anyways, I say all that to say, I put the story about the girl at the restaurant into a blog post, like it was no big deal, like all my other blog posts. And it took, it went viral like this. I mean, the last time I checked it, it had been seen by like 900,000 people and shared 6,000 times. It's like, I, and I was like, whoa, I hit a button. Like, and then I started looking at the comments people were saying and who was being tagged and who was sharing it. And I'm sure nobody here will be surprised to know that it was like 98.5% women. <laughs> Um, okay. So I'm not alone in this guilt game. Like as women, we're all stuck in this. Otherwise, like I wouldn't have struck a chord. I struck a chord with women 
all all across the board every type of diversity that exists in diversities they were all there and i was like okay so we have all spent our lives being told who we should be and what we should do and what we should not do and we're just like always taking this in and no one has given us tools to repel it and so what i teach now i just finished um a webinar series which if, if somebody who's listening to this wants it, just like email me or contact me through my website, I'll send you a recording of it. But I just finished a webinar series called Don't Shit On Me. And it goes through um, like the basic principles of how to end the shitting um, or at least being a receiver of it. And I like to think of it as like Captain America with his shield. Like that's what I feel like now. Like I'm not playing this game. And when I look and I realize other people around me are playing it, I just put up my shield and I'm like, I'm not receiving this. It's just not, I have a protective shield around me and none of this is coming in, um, which gives you the freedom to be your authentic self. So all this work, like, God, I'm sure like we all love Brene Brown, right? And all of her work around shame, which right. shame is like the sister to guilt. They, they really do coincide together. Um, but when you can release a lot of this guilt, what it opens up, like that's actually the first step to authenticity because you have to first release the expectations of who you should be or what you're supposed to do to then open up the door to then ask the question, well, who actually am I? Not who did they want me to be, but who actually am I? And when you can gain that confidence to know who you are at your core, and where you're going, then nothing anybody else says matters because you are now resting in the confidence of this is who I am. This is what works for me. These boundaries are mine. These decisions are mine. These choices are mine. And anything that people are going to throw, I'm just not, I know where I'm going and I know where I'm headed. And um, the criticism doesn't matter. The comments don't matter, but First, you have to release the guilt, then you can build your self-confidence, know who you are, um, increase your, grow in your authenticity. But, you know, people are like, oh, be authentic. A lot of times people can't be authentic if they don't even know who they are. Like it's an experiment to figure out what is actually me and what is who I became because something in the world told me to be that way. And so there's this step in authenticity of releasing those expectations. And then when you know where you're going and like, nothing's going to stop you. And so, um, yeah, I think that I just went off on like really long rant for you to be like, tell me about yourself. Um, and I haven't come up for breath. So <laughs> it was all really good though. I was just like, if I was listening to this right now, I'd be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get a notepad. Okay. Let me scribble down some notes. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that's really, that's going to go on a sticky note. That's going on my phone as a screensaver. Like there is so many, like just standout moments. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's, oh, that's really good. And honestly, as you were talking, this is interesting to me. Um, there are, now I do have some structural issues going on right now with um, my like right hip in particular. Um, as we talked about, like in a previous podcast, everyone knows, like I'm, I'm talking about it and everything. Um, I am expecting my first child right now. Um, and so pregnancy is a new, new adventure for me. Um, and a lot of the conversations that I've been having have been centered around like, oh, how is your like 
identity shifted and priority shifted and everything now that this is a part of your life. And that's been very interesting. But the part that I was really kind of hung up on there for a second, I was like, no, no, wait, talk about that more. Um, but I was like, wait, this isn't about you. Hold on. Um, is actually, I've been actually having um, a lot of um, like, it's not specifically hip, but it's all around the hip area on my, it's only on my right side. Um, so, and like I said, I do have a few structural issues from previous injuries, but it's just been almost constant. And like, we're trying to figure stuff out. We're trying to do stretching. We're trying to do like all these things. And you're talking about this and I'm like, wait a second, there might be a huge part of this that's rooted in the, the, like the guilt and the stress of like, how on earth am I going to manage all of it? Like you're describing this and I'm like that, that right there, I understand those feelings. That's what, and so I'm like, okay, looks like it's time to spend some work in like letting that go because it's definitely, (laughs) it's definitely showing up. Um, and I didn't even connect the two until you were talking about like, wait, no, that's right. That's where that store. Oh, (laughs) so so I've never heard anybody else talk about it. Like it was just my only, like I had that experience, but I've never heard anybody else tell that story. Um, and I'll tell you a couple things. First of all, hip pain is normal. Like your body is actually adjusting. But one thing that I learned because I, through two pregnancies that were completely different pregnancies, I had a lot of different types of specialists I worked with. And when I say specialists for me, that's like my Chinese medicine doctor and my midwives and my acupuncture, my acupuncture. Like I'm, I, whoever's listening to this, I'm one of those people. Um, and so <clears throat> One thing I learned second pregnancy that was filled with a lot of pain. Um, it was horrible. I had this thing called PSD. Don't Google it. It's not worth your time, but, um, I was just like in a lot of pain it only can happen in your second or later pregnancy. And I tolerated that pain for so long. And at 37 weeks, I was introduced to practitioners who could help me. And it it was actually, um, physical therapy was what I needed. Mm. And I was so angry that I had spent from week 20 to week 37 in intense pain when there were tools. And then I was also suffering from like, um, just, just some different other things are happening in my body. And, um, I, I was sent to a, um, She's an acupuncturist who also does um, a do- has a doctor of Chinese medicine, and um, she put me on an herb regimen to, of all things, help my spleen. Like her method of diagnosing stuff, she was like, "Oh, this is screaming this like your spleen is malnourished. Like we need to help you there." And I was like, "What?" Like she put me on some herb stuff and gave me some things to help my spleen and would you know, like I could breathe properly again and I had energy again and like all these other things that were happening in addition to the issues, like there was help. So one thing I want to say is that pain isn't normal. So whether it's like that hip pain that I had when my daughter was a baby or the stuff that I suffered through when my, during the pregnancy with my son, if I learned anything, it was that pain isn't normal and it is a warning sign from your body. And if you're experiencing any kind of pain, be relentless about finding somebody somewhere who will listen to you and help you 
get through that. And it is probably going to be trial and error because there are so many different things happening in our bodies. Um, but if you learn nothing, like do not tolerate pain, do not accept some form of pain as a way of life. Just like be relentless about finding somebody somewhere who will help you. So to that point with your hip pain, there is some, like your body does have to expand and get ready for birth. But I would definitely say like, um, I'm sure you're working with, I know, knowing that you're friends with Chelsea, I am sure that you're working with, um, a chiropractor who's certified in helping with the pregnant mama as, um, would also talk to somebody who does energy work because our, so if you're, if you think this is woo woo, if this conversation has just got a little too woo woo for you, let me simplify this for you. When we eat food, we always say, oh, that gave me energy. When we're in the sun, we say, oh, I have so much more energy. Mm -hmm. The whole world we know in science is made up of energy. So it should not be intimidating or scary or um, woo-woo to then say, okay, well, the energy is coming into our body and it's leaving our body. Therefore, what do you say when you're super tired at the end of the day? I'm out of energy. I've exhausted all my energy. We talk about energy in those terms like it's normal, mm -hmm. but then to actually discuss how does the energy come into our body, move through our body, and then exit our body, all of a sudden you're talking about weird stuff and it doesn't need to be that way. There are practitioners who can look at how's the energy coming in, what's it doing when it's inside of you, how is it exiting, and the, the person that I went to, that Japanese acupressurist, um, what he does is he looks at where it gets jammed, no different than your heart. If you eat tons of cholesterol, you're gonna have a heart attack because it like got, you get a clog, right? Like basically you get a clog in your heart. Um, well, your energy that's flowing through your body can also clog. And so the work that he does is he is looking at how is the energy flowing when it's moving through and is it clogging somewhere? And if there's a clog, he has tools to, to just break it up. No different than you would break up a kidney stone or you would, you know, have heart surgery to work. Up the, I don't actually, I'm not, I'm not a heart doctor. I don't know anything about that stuff, but I just do, I do know that if you have a clog that there's doctors that can help you with it. So <laughs> anyways, um, that's all that he does. And um, we don't, I don't think we talk about that enough, but that that's out there and it needs to be normalized because we are made like all we are is energy moving throughout this world. Like science has proven that I like read anything about quantum physics. Like that's, that is what we are. Um, so it shouldn't be strange to talk about. Um, well, I mean, into that, I mean, to that point, I think we've normalized certain aspects of it where we just don't like, we've really disconnected some of it. Sometimes we're talking about it, but I mean, people understand energy as like tension, right? Like they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm just really stressed out. My neck's really tight. I need a massage right? Like technically, I mean, it goes in the category of body work, but it's also a lot of massage therapists will consider themselves energy workers as well within a certain framework because they're releasing that tension. So it's not always related to massage, but people understand it a little bit better in that realm because they're like, oh yeah, I'm really tight. I'm just really, really stressed out right now. I feel all this tension in my body. And I think it's important to, to normalize that and to talk about it more because like you're saying, like I'm, I'm connecting like, yes, I can address the physical, but if there there's underlying things also related to like mental, spiritual energy, and like that needs to be a part of that solution as well to really bring healing to that area, because otherwise I'm, I'm 
it could, it's trying to tell me something and, you know, I can't choose, oh, well, I feel comfortable with this. I'll do that. But then let me just ignore the rest of it because that's uncomfortable. Um, usually the most uncomfortable things are the most powerful. Yeah, that wheel of life. Them, right. Like <laughs> they're like, oh, the ones that I really want to avoid, like you're talking about, like, oh, those are the things I really didn't want to deal with. I was just trying to push it aside. They're the most powerful tool to unlocking whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And so that's something that I just, I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, I need, I need to go and, and deal with that. Um, but yeah, definitely normalize energy work because it's, it's just incredibly important and it's very, very, very powerful tool. Like I, the, the, some of the most powerful moments in my life have happened actually while having like Reiki massage, like massage oh, and yeah. at the same time. Um, and that's something that blew my mind the first couple of times she was like we built a relationship you know we truly trusted each other and she's like you know do I have your permission like can I do some some Reiki energy work on you and I was just like I mean yeah sure because at that point I was like anything that will help anything that will help right and I was just like absolutely and she did and I was just like oh this is the weirdest thing ever like oh my god <laughs> what just happened <laughs> so yeah it's 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 really cool. Um, fully support the the normalized energy work movement that you have going right now. So um, actually, I want to um, do a brief pause here, make sure people know where to find you, and then come back and dive deeper into where we kind of left off um, before my my questions and, and insight into, hey, energy work is a thing. We, we, we definitely need that to happen. Um, and come back for a quick part B, a little bit more in depth onto the wheel of life and how you can really start working on that guilt um, and and not shitting all over yourself. And which is a great thing to say, because everyone's like, wait, what did you just say? Um, and like your course and like how how people can get involved and how this, because if you're hearing this and you're like, yes, 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 I hear all these things, I identify with them and you're not implementing, you're not actually making that change, you're not changing those habits, then it's just, it's not necessarily a waste of time. It could be the start of awareness on a path, right? So it's not necessarily a waste of time. Don't want to use that framework and that language, but it's a lot more powerful if you actually have the ability and you start taking action on what you're hearing. And that happens in any of the podcasts you hear. You hear great stories, you hear very powerful things, but if you don't actually start implementing it, it does really not nearly the good that it could. So um, I want to dive into that a little bit on how people can take more action and what you offer and why you chose, um, you moved from health coaching to life coaching. You kind of went into that a little bit, but what that looks like, like what is life coaching? I think that's something that also people are still trying to wrap their heads around a little bit. Like what even is that? Sure. So and the difference between like when you hire a life coach versus like a therapist or a mental health, like what, like some people think it's those lines are too blurry for people. And I can absolutely help to, to clarify that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think you asked to close, to round this out, like how can people get in touch and then we'll start those other conversations. So mm -hmm. I would say, um, uh, Facebook, Instagram at the Sophia Hyde, um, and then uh, my website, sophiahide.com, it's all pretty self-explanatory and I'm very accessible. Yes, she is. And she has great content. Um, and like she said, she's a weekly blog, which is always super fun because I love reading really great writing. Um, so I will be following her blog also. And yeah, that's, I'll put all the links in there, all her social media links where you can find her. I'll link the blog. 
um, and her course and all these other things so you guys can get started. And then join us for part B as we take a little bit more of a deep dive into how you can start making these changes in your life and stop shooting all over yourself and really unlock your, your, full, your full potential. That's even hard to say. Um, yeah, apparently my whole body was just like, say full potential. And it was like, no, I don't want to. Um, so <laughs> we'll figure out what's going on with that when we come back next time. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of What in the Wellness. And we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.